Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good and you're such and such. It's Memorial Day weekend, which means we worked real hard, so this will be a short episode because we're... (laughs) I thought you were going to rhyme something inappropriate with work real hard. Oh, no, I don't use it. I didn't even think about it. Oh, that's funny. No, I mean, no, I, uh... No, I, I am surprised I was able to come up with anything. Actually, my brain is pretty wrecked right now. Well, in fair, you didn't come up with anything that rhymed. You came up with, um, and so we're going to... I was sleeping. I went to sleep. <laughs> so I'm going to... That was me snoring. But I can't make a snoring no- noise um, with my mouth. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> Can you not make a snoring noise? No. How the fuck did I not know that? I don't know. You can't snore? I mean, I probably can snore. I just, I can't, like, make myself do it. And I've never been told by anyone I make snoring noises. Huh. That is yeah. weird. I also it's, can't whistle, though. It's more of a snort than a, it's not really in your mouth like that. Yeah, I I don't even know where to make that noise from. It's yeah. kind of somewhere between your nasal cavity and your soft palate. As I die choking on my own, like, saliva. (laughs) And that was the last episode (laughs) of Campfire Campfire Classics. Classics. And Heather died in her voiceover studio uh, trying to learn how to snore. The one really nice thing about that circumstance is that we have audio proof that it was, in fact, accidental death. So I'm not going to be charged with your murder. Despite... The obviously suspicious circumstances of it's just the two of us alone in the VO studio. Okay, one, one, things can be edited. Come on, let's be real. That would have been a pretty tricky edit. Two. I'm not that I'm scared that that's where your brain went. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, um, if you're listening, um, keep listening to make sure I'm still here. I did say it was the one positive. (laughs) That That is true. That is very true. Hello. That I would not be incorrectly accused of your murder. Yes. That is true. Um, hello, listeners. Uh, as I said, it, it is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, when you're listening, it'll be the day after Memorial Day weekend. But we are recording Memorial Day weekend, and Ken has had four shows this weekend. Um, Five, I, if you count my my story stroll for HPI on Friday. Story stroll, and then you did and, storytelling. Yep. I have done three storytelling shifts, which are, it's basically six hours of, like, nonstop go, go, go with your voice. Um, Go sit on the street and shout stories at children. But they're really good. I like, so I was very nervous about this job, um, which Ken knew. I don't know if I've really mentioned that on the podcast. I was like, um, just because like, I like to do scenes with other people. I do not love like, I do not love standing alone in front of a group of people and talking because I don't know. I, I mean, I know it's a form of theater, but It's never been my thing. So I had a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, A lot of really amazing, not just kids. uh, These stories are very much, and like, I don't think people believe me when I ring the bell and say, all ages welcome, because they see kids, and they're like, okay. 
no, these stories are like amazing. Like some of the best reactions I've had have been like grown men and women in their like 50s and 60s that are like, wow, yeah. I did not know that story. Well, it's because what what the storytelling program is trying to do is the thing that it's the difference between children's theater and like theater for young audiences, theater, yeah. right? Or yeah. family, theater, family theater, where yeah. we're dealing with stories and material that are actually compelling and important yeah. and historically relevant and all of these things for all ages. We're just packaging them in a way so that you can enjoy them if you're a fourth or fifth grader. That doesn't mean it's targeted yeah. at like, 12 year olds. I had kids as little as like two or three that were super engaged and then I had like elderly couples that were super engaged. So um, it was really cool. It was a really fun weekend and um, yeah, I'm and I'm next week I, I debut as Betsy Ross, the Betsy Ross house. So I'm excited for that. Um, so yeah, we're just, but this week's been crazy because mm-hmm. like all my training leading up to that, then I spent a day in New York and saw two shows. I got free tickets to Bad Cinderella, which I will not comment on. If you want my opinion, please email 5050artsproduction at gmail.com and we'll chat. Um, but then um, because I wanted to leave New York with a different memory, I went and got tickets to Parade, which was across the street which I have a long history with, and it was phenomenal. If you get to see Parade in New York right now, whoo, that is that is pretty much... It's quite the show. It's very close to a, what I would call a perfect production of that show. Like, it, it's phenomenal, and if you don't know the show, I mean, it, it, is, it goes to the dark places, but it, of course, has a lot of humor, it has love, it has um, incredible music, but... Yeah, and I got to see Sasha, and I ran into Dylan, and then uh, yeah, I've uh, I've had a I've had a busy week as you have. So we are picking one of our shorter stories because it's late in the day, and we don't want Ken up till three in the morning editing this podcast for you, and I'm sure you don't either, because um, you know we we right now are lucky to be busy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So for anyone who's a new listener, and if we're doing our job right, every episode is somebody's first episode, um, what we do here at Campfire Classics is we take turns cold reading short stories that we pull out of the public domain, and we present them to you um, sound unheard. Would that be the equivalent to sight unseen? Sound unheard, yeah. Sound unheard. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah. Although also sight unseen. It's sight it's unseen, unseen for us. For the reader, and then I, I guess it's also sight unseen for you, unless you find a copy of the story and read it along with us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, sense unsensed. <laughs> sense unsensed. That sounds like me when I'm really tired, <laughs> or have sense had one uncensored. too many glasses of wine. Sense uncensored. Ooh. Sense unsensed is when you're tired. Sense uncensored is when you've had one too many glasses of wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what we're doing. But before we jump into the story, Heather, who has chosen a story for me to read this week, is going to give a little context of some sort to that story by sharing these fun facts. So, uh, I was looking for, because we wanted to keep it a little bit shorter, and I have run across a lot of little bit shorter stories over, over the years we have been doing this podcast that's weird to say um 
And so I Yeah, hey, listener, sorry to interrupt. Uh we've got a two year anniversary coming up, so let us know <gasps> if you have thoughts on something special we could do for two years. Wow, I have some ideas. We'll chat later. So I um actually found a story that I do not believe we have covered um this author before. Um, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a list of authors we've covered. I haven't covered it. I did not look at that list, so we're gonna find out. You'll probably re- you'll remember. You're good at that. So today we are reading a story by the author George Pope Morris. That name does not sound familiar. He was not a full time writer. He was okay. a writer, and as many people were in the 1800s, the Pope. Know. The Pope, yeah. yeah. He was also the Pope. Yeah, he was a and, part-time writer and part-time Pope, like and, many people were in the 1800s. Yes, and yeah. uh, part-time Morris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Morris Zach dancer. Morris. Zach oh, Morris. Oh, Zach Morris. Yeah, so he was like a man about town. Yeah. So I didn't realize this. That's interesting that Zach Morris is a time traveler. Well, obviously. How do you think he pauses the, the like, the... Oh, fuck. Now there's a... Oh, I, I think we just Shit. came up is with... is Zach Morris a time lord? He did. He would snap his fingers time and out, everything y'all. would stop. Time out. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that is a door and a rabbit hole that I want to go down to, down at some point for sure. Um, <laughs> time, time Lord Zach Morris. If we have any listeners who are um, visual artists, painters, drawers, sketch artists, whatever, I want fan art of Zach Morris, Time Lord. That's, that's, that's the end of my request. Anyway... I love it. We can, yeah, we can get back his, on track. What is but, his sonic screwdriver? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be like his his comb or something. Anyway. What's, what's, anyway. His, what, uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, Mark, Paul Mark Paul Gosler. Gosler. Yeah. So, yeah, fan art of either Zach Morris Time Lord or Mark Paul Gosler as the doctor. <laughs> I re- like, he's still acting. He's, so yeah. Hey, he's still out there. He's still doing his thing. He seems to be a genuinely decent I've, human I've being. I've never heard a bad thing about him, which is the opposite of his character, which, Zach yeah. Morris. So. Um, I've heard he's quite a good guy. Anyway, back to George Pope Morris. So George Pope Pope Morris is hard to say. Um, So he was born October 10th, 1802, right here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yes. So there's not a lot about his life, um, like his like personal life, but there are some really cool fun facts about him. So. With his friend Nathaniel Parker Willis, he co-founded the Daily New York Evening Mirror. Okay. Which was running until, like, our lives. Like, it was like the Daily Mirror, you know? Our lives? Our lives. I think is what I said. Our lives? Our lives? Whatever. (laughs) It's been a long week. Um, Been a long, been a long, been a long, been a long day. Da-da-da. So, he... He did this by merging a, like, newspaper that was suffering, the New York Mirror, um, with Willis's newspaper, the American Monthly. So that formed the New York Evening Mirror. And what they were famous for was they covered a lot of topics. So, like, a lot of magazines back then and newspapers were like, we do politics, we do this, we do, like, 
we aim towards women, we aim towards like, but this was a very comprehensive magazine. So they would cover um, topics from the fine arts to editorials to um, short stories to the news and entertainment. So it was very all inclusive. So kind of more like a newspaper now when you like read a newspaper or a magazine. Sure. It tends to be all encompassing to cover lots of people's interests. So this was a new thing at the time. Now, the thing that this magazine is famous for the most, the Evening Mirror, on January 29th, 1845, they were the first magazine to publish an advanced copy of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Oh. Yeah. Cool. So this was the first publication of that poem. And um, the publishing partners also issued an anthology called The Prose and the Poetry of America in 1845. That was another famous uh, publishing of theirs. So I like that that tied into one of our other favorite authors on here and uh, The Raven. I mean, that's like arguably one of the like most referenced, probably one of the... I would say probably the most famous American poem. Yeah. And so it was published in... Mr. George Pope Morris's uh, magazine. So he, as I said, he was not a full-time writer. So he was, he would kind of dabbled in writing, dabbled in editing. He was also a composer. So in addition to his publishing and editorial work, he was a poet and a songwriter. And he was well known for his poem turned song entitled Woodman Spare That Tree. Now this song to this day, is quoted by environmentalists. So it's it's all about, like, spare the tree. Like, say, right, don't yeah, chop yeah. down the tree. Um, and he first wrote it as a poem, and then he wrote it as a song that um, is kind of like a choral. So it was, it was a proto-hippie anthem. Yes. Yeah, William right. Pope Morris. Peace and love. Jesus, he's the Pope. He's a Time Lord. He's a hippie. I know. Well... So he was so popular, his songs were so popular at the time, um, Graham's Magazine in Philadelphia promised Morris $50 sight unseen for any song he wanted to publish. I believe that would also be Sound Unheard. Sound Unheard, yes. Also, oh, yeah, look at that. Look at that tie-in. Fuck. I love when that works. I love when that happens. Um, so he, he wrote a lot of songs. So they, they basically were like, you show up with a song. We don't care what it sounds like, uh, and we will give you $50. And, like, that was a lot of money then. I mean, um, shit, if somebody would give me that deal today, I'd be delighted. Right? <laughs> I'd be making, like, 300 bucks a week. Right? Lines, like I said, lines from that poem and that song are often still quoted by environmentalists. Um, the poem was also included in one of Morris's volumes of collected poems called The Deserted Bride and Other Poems. It came out in 1838, and that ran several editions. So mm, dessert, mm, dessert. Um, so he really only wrote one collection of short stories and sketches, and that's where our story comes from today. And the collection of short stories is also the title of, well, partially the title of what we're reading today. So I'm going to tell you what you're going to read. So he uh, lit, he was born. Um, 1802, and he died in 1864 at the age of 61 in New York City. Okay. Um, and that's really all we know about him. So uh, 
Good for him. He had, he had a, a low, low uh, drama life and some very uh, big like accomplishments. Was, sounds yeah. like he was very um, artistically yeah. jack of all trades. Yeah, very much. And like, so he That's had cool. a he had a little smattering of success in lots of different areas. And cool. So today you are going to read the little Frenchman and his water lots. All right. Is this the one where she gets hooked on caffeine pills? Yes, because she's so excited and so scared. <laughs> Let's start this fire. Let's start it. The Little Frenchman and His Water Lots. A story by George Pope Morris. Let wealth come in by comely thrift, and not by any foolish shift. Tis haste makes waste, who gripes too hard the dry and slippery sand, holds none at all or little in his hand. Ooh. Herrick. Ooh. <laughs> little little preview of what's to come here. What do they, I always forget, what do they call those things? Uh, the quote before the story? An epigraph. Oh, see, I was going to say an epitaph. Oh my God, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was wrong, yeah. but. <laughs> but close. Epigraph. Epigraph. Okay. Because I know epitaph is after the story. Yes? Epitaph is um, what you write about a person who has died. <laughs> so, in a very poetic way, <laughs> yes. yes. So it's what you it write is, at the, the end of... It is the quote you put at the end of a book. You put it at the, at the end, end of, a, of story. a story, of a human story. Yes. Oh, I like it put like that. So poetically, yes. Epitaph is just the opposite of epigraph. Epigraph. That's lovely. All right. Um, there were a few of us. It was like me and Matt and Quincy and Tyler back in high school. Hey, guys, if any of you are listening, who um, we learned the term epigraph in English class. Um, whose class was it? Like the term you just read. Yeah, epigraph. Um, and uh, and we ended up, I'm not going to remember which English class it was, but we all had the same teacher at the mm -hmm. time. And we, we decided to make it a point to see... Like everyone put an epigraph in every paper for the rest of the semester, <laughs> and the goal was to see who could take up the most space with their epigraph. The most amount of who words could, yeah. of the word count you yeah. had to hit. Who yeah. could who could log the longest epigraph? That's fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how about a story? How about a story? Well, that was the beginning of it. How of. much real comfort everyone might enjoy if he would be contented with the lot in which heaven has cast him, and how much trouble would be avoided if people would only let well alone. Well, fuck. Thanks, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Wow, that just hit right in the center. <laughs> be happy with where you are Yeah, be happy with what you have. Oh, that's lovely. If you can't be with the one you love. Love the one you're with. I think that's a different message. <laughs> kind of, but it's it's related. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. If Get you away. can't get everything you wanted, be happy with the things you, you have. have. The thing you have, yeah, yeah. yeah. A moderate independence, quietly and honestly procured, is certainly every way preferable even to immense possessions achieved by the wear and tear of mind and body so necessary to procure them. Yet there are very few individuals, let them be doing ever so well in the world, who are not always straining every nerve to do better. And this is one of the many causes why failures in business so frequently occur among us. 
Did you have something to say? You made a hand gesture. No, I just went, huh. It, uh, it's this, this just seems very um, um, current. Yeah. <laughs> As many of these stories do when we tell them. It's almost like the human condition Doesn't is change. the human condition. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be assholes. There's always going to be people that just are like, whatever. The stuff- and, there's, and there's a difference of being content with what you have and being cool with the status quo. Right. Like, there's a difference. Like, you can want more in life. Like, w- want people to be better. Want yeah. the world to be a better place you and can still want to be happy with what you have. A- a- achieve more. You can want to strive for your personal best. It's more of a, yeah. a less about ego and more about the like mm-hmm. the um, the big picture. Yeah. The present generation seem unwilling to realize by slow and sure degrees, but choose rather to set their whole hopes upon a single cast, which either makes or mars them forever. Well, look at that, and this is from a guy who is a um, time traveler. Well. <laughs> Zach Morris. That's that's George Portmoris. Um, I was saying that he does a lot of things. Yeah. This guy does not just. He's not like I am an artist. He's like I do all these things. Yep. He dabbles in everything. I get to do everything, and I had a very nice life. Gentle reader, do you remember Monsieur Poo Poo? <laughs> that was not where I thought that was going. It says Monsieur Poo Poo, yep. and it's spelled Poo Poo. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm going to go back, and once Heather is done laughing, I'm going to go back and get a clean take of that sentence. I'm a child. And, uh, it says Monsieur Poo-Poo. Yeah, and, and if she starts laughing, it's fine. But, dear listener, you're going to hear me read that sentence as many times as it takes for me to get through the word poo-poo <laughs> without, without Heather laughing no. in the middle of it. No. So this could, in fact, be one of our longer episodes. Exhausted too, so it means I'm gonna laugh at dumber things. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my acting my acting hat and my grown-up hats at the same time and go, okay, just listen to the story. <laughs> just for this next sentence, I just want to get one sentence out. Gentle reader. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, a reminder, this is not homicide. Okay. Okay, I can do it. I feel like I'm in that scene in Mary Poppins. I love love to laugh. Long and loud and clear. My body hurts too much to laugh like that. (laughs) Okay. 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 Okay, I can do this. I didn't even start at that time. Oh no, I'm crying. Okay, okay, we got this, we got this. Gentle reader, do you remember Monsieur Poo Poo? He used to, uh, thank you, I got got through it, it. that's all I wanted. I got through it. He used to keep a small toy store in Chatham near the corner of Pearl Street. 
You must recollect him, of course. He lived there for many years and was one of the most polite and accommodating of shopkeepers. When a juvenile, you have bought tops and marbles of him a thousand times. Can you imagine going into a toy store that's run by Monsieur Poopoo? Especially as a juvenile? As a child, yeah. That, that is a name you do not want to grow up with. <laughs> To be sure you have, and seen his vinegar visage lightened up with a smile as you flung him the coppers, and you have laughed at his little straight cue and his dimity breeches and all the other oddities that made up the everyday apparel of my little Frenchman. I know what dimity is! It's a type of cloth, and we use it in the Betsy Ross house. All right, what can you tell me about dimity? Dimity is, it's, uh, like... Um, it has a raised pattern, like stripes. You probably all have seen it. Like a lot of times, still, it gets used on like napkins and uh, tablecloths. So it's like usually back then it was like a cotton and silk, or uh, like so it was really nice material. And the lines go all the way the length of the the. Um, I'm picturing blue and an off white. It's usually all one color. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could be different colors, but like the dimity is, um, it's just like, um, it's the stripes. It's like the, the stripes. Huh. Cool. I just went, oh my God, I know what that is. <laughs> Look at me learning things in real life that I can apply to this damn podcast. Hell Look yeah. at that, motherfuckers. What's up? Ah, I perceive you recollect him now. Well then. There lived Monsieur Poupou ever since he came from dear, delightful Paris, as he was wont to call the city of his nativity. There he took in the pennies for his kickshaws. There he laid aside $5,000 against a rainy day. There he was as happy as a lark, and there, in all human probability, he would have been to this very day a respected and substantial citizen had he been willing to let well alone. Uh-oh. But Monsieur Poopoo had heard strange stories about the prodigious rise in real estate. And having understood that most of his neighbors had become suddenly rich by speculating in lots, he instantly grew dissatisfied with his own lot, forthwith determined to shut up shop, turn everything into cash, and set about making money in right-down earnest. No sooner said than done, and our quondam storekeeper a few days afterward attended an extensive sale of real estate at the Merchants' Exchange. This is not going to end well. <laughs> He's going to get duped real hard, I have a feeling. Yeah, well... We already know that he would have been happy. Yeah, I know. He's not He's not like being like, what's going to happen? He's like, he's going to get fucked this over. This is going to go over badly. Like, this is not going to happen. He's also, if, so you said uh, Zach Morris is from Philadelphia? <laughs> yes, he is. He is from Philadelphia. So do you, you know where the Merchants Exchange yes, is, I do. right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. No, and at Pearl Street is, um, I know there's a Pearl Street in New York. And he did live in New York for a long time. Oh, it could so be there. it might it might be New York, but 
So we're probably in New York. Maybe. But I guess... Uh, Who knows? Who knows? There was the auctioneer with his beautiful and inviting lithographic maps. All the lots as smooth and square and enticingly laid out as possible. And there were the speculators. And there in the midst of them stood Monsieur (laughs) Poo-Poo. Oh, no. I feel like someone hears his name and then just doesn't take him seriously anymore. Here they are, gentlemen, he said of the hammer. The most valuable lots ever offered for sale. Give me a bid for them. One hundred each, said a bystander. One hundred, said the auctioneer, scarcely enough to pay for the maps. One hundred going and fifty gone, Mr. H. They are yours, a noble purchase. You'll sell those same lots in less than a fortnight for $50,000 profit. Wow, um, that is, uh, optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, sure. I mean, that is some serious inflation right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's an like, upswing in, yeah. Like, unless you put buildings on it that people can use and live in, I feel like, why did the property go up that much in a fortnight? <laughs> well, he's saying that they're they're actually worth way more. So this is basically like a, um, um, what's a, a state sale? Like someone got yeah. evicted or like... Or a, something. Yeah, okay. That's what it seems okay. to be, yeah. Monsieur Poo-Poo pricked up his ears at this. Listener, I don't know if the mic is picking it up, but every time I say Monsieur Poo-Poo, Heather's shoulders shake. (laughs) It's just so good. And you know that he wrote that name on purpose. Like, he wrote that name to be the most ridiculous sounding thing on the planet. (laughs) Because I have a feeling... He's going to do something stupid. He's going to do something stupid. All right. Uh, This was a much easier way, certainly, of accumulating riches than selling toys in Chatham Street. And he determined to buy and mend his fortune without delay. The auctioneer proceeded in his sale. Other parcels were offered and disposed of, and all the purchasers were promised immense advantages for their enterprise. At last came a more valuable parcel than all the rest. The company pressed around the stand, and Monsieur Poo-Poo did the same. I now offer you, gentlemen, these magnificent lots, delightfully situated on Long Island. We are in New York. All right. With valuable water privileges. Water privileges? Property in fee, title indisputable, terms of sale, cash. Deeds ready for delivery immediately after the sale. How much for them? Give them a start at something. How much? The auctioneer looked around. There were no bidders. Uh, That would be the first one I bid on. It's got a motherfucking waterfront property. Like, waterfront property in Long Island? Are you serious? Like, you, you, I will tell you right now, this takes place in the 1800s. That shit gonna be valuable. Like, I don't know what the fuck they were auctioning off before, but this this is gonna be valuable. Clearly, the rest (laughs) of these people are not time travelers. They don't know how valuable waterfront property is gonna be in New York. That's true. That's true. Waterfront property in Long Island. I mean, that's where you go on the weekends. That's what they do. Yep. At last, he caught the eye of Monsieur Poo-Poo. <laughs> Did you say 100, sir? Beautiful lots, valuable water privileges. Shall I say 100 for you? 
uh, oui, monsieur, I will give you $100 a piece for the lot with the uh, valuable water privilege. C'est ça. Wait, is Monsieur Poo a French guy? I guess that makes sense. His name is Monsieur Poo And he's from Paris. Oh, I forgot. Was... <laughs> I was laughing too hard at his name that I forgot where he's from. Oh, no. Monsieur Poo is I from just... Paris. I don't know. I thought it was a nickname. You know how, like, sometimes you're like, Madame Lavala, and it's just like, because, like, he runs a toy shop. I thought the kids gave him, like, his name's Monsieur Miss, Poo-Poo. Monsieur Poo-Poo. Monsieur Poo-Poo and the toys. Okay. No, he's he's from Paris. He's French. All right. Well, Heather caught up now. Good <laughs> job. Okay. Only, Glad you're reading this and not me. <laughs> only 100 apiece for these 60 valuable lots. Only 100 going, going, going. Gone. Yay, Monsieur Poo-Poo! Monsieur Poo-Poo was the fortunate possessor. The auctioneer congratulated him, the sale closed, and the company dispersed. Um, Pardonnez-moi, monsieur, said Poo-Poo, as the auctioneer descended his pedestal. Now I'm just imagining a little, a little poop speaking French. Like, like, like the, the the poo in South Park. Yep. But he's French. Mr. Hanky. Mr. Hanky, but it's Monsieur Poo Poo. It's Mr. Hanky's friend from Paris. Monsieur Hanky. <laughs> Le poo de Noël. <laughs> Pardonnez-moi, Monsieur, said Poo Poo, as the auctioneer descended his pedestal. You shall excusez-moi if I shall go to votre bureau, your um, counting house. They're quick to make everything sure with respect to the lot with the valuable voter privilege. One little bird in the end is worth two in the tree. C'est vrai, eh? I love that this is written in French dialect. Like it is written because it's it's a man speaking English with in a heavy French. French. Yeah. So it's actually written in French dialect. I love it. Which is actually making it a little trickier. A little harder, but, probably, but it's very interesting. But it lets you know that it's French dialect. This would be very helpful to me while reading French <laughs> dialect. Certainly, sir. Well then, allons. Allons-y. See, he is a time traveler. <laughs> And the gentleman repaired to the counting house, where the six thousand dollars were paid, and the deeds of the property delivered. Wait, he bought all of them? Yeah, sixty at a hundred apiece. Holy shit! All right, see, I would not buy that shit sight unseen, y'all. <laughs> this could very well be a swamp. <laughs> yep, I mean that's what land speculation is. You buy a bunch of land and then hope you can turn around and sell it. Oh no, I'm so scared. Maybe Miss- you can just put porta potties there. <laughs> Monsieur Poopoo's porta potties. <laughs> See, I've time traveled and I know porta potties are going to be a good business. We <laughs> oui, the porta poopoo. <laughs> porta poopoo. <laughs> the porta de poopoo. <laughs> Uh, Monsieur Poopoo put these carefully in his pocket, and as he was about taking his leave, the auctioneer made him a present of the lithographic outline of the lots, which was a very liberal thing on his part, considering the map was a beautiful specimen of that glorious art. Poopoo could not admire it sufficiently. 
There were his sixty lots as uniform as possible, and his little gray eyes sparkled like diamonds as they wandered from one end of the spacious sheet to the other. Poo-Poo's heart was as light as a feather, and he snapped his fingers in the very wantonness of joy as he repaired to Delmonico's and ordered the first good French dinner that had gladdened his palate since his arrival in America. Ooh, he's fancy. He's like, I'm going to take myself out for a celebration. I would go check out the property before I celebrate. But you know what? mm -hmm. I'm not Monsieur Poo-Poo, so... After having discussed his repast and washed it down with a bottle of choice old claret... Oh, good. At least he's a little drunk. He resolved upon a visit to Long Island to view his purchase. He consequently immediately hired a horse and gig, crossed the Brooklyn Ferry, and drove along the margin of the river to the Wallabout, the location in question. Our friend, however, was not a little perplexed to find his property... Everything on the map was as fair and even as possible, while all the grounds about him were as undulated as they could well be imagined, and there was an elbow of the East River thrusting itself quite into the ribs of the land, which seemed to have no business there. Oh, no. This puzzled the Frenchman exceedingly, and being a stranger in these parts, he called a farmer in an adjacent field. Uh, mon ami... Are you acquaint with this part of the country, eh? Uh, yes, I was born here and know every inch of it. <laughs> I love the uh, Long Island uh, country boy. Yeah, well, you <laughs> know. Good times. Yeah. I love it. Hey, I put a Brooklyn, like, a Brooklyn accent in a country story the other day. So. <laughs> ah, c'est bien, that will do. And the Frenchman got out of the gig, tied the horse, and produced his lithographic map. Then maybe you will have the kindness to show me the 60 lot which I have bought with the valuable water privilege. The farmer glanced his eye over the paper. Yes, sir, with pleasure. If you will be good enough to get into my boat, I will row you out to them. Oh, what? (laughs) What did you say, sure? Oh, no. My friend, said the farmer... This section of Long Island has recently been bought up by the speculators of New York and laid out for a great city, but the principal street is only visible at low tide. When this part of the East River is filled up, it will be just there. Your lots, as you will perceive, are beyond it and are now all underwater. Oh, no. So I guess you're building submarines. Or, um, a water park? <laughs> An underwater water park? Yeah. yeah. Just like bubbles that you can live in underwater, yeah. A, a natural aquarium. Oh. <laughs> Sounds exciting. At first, the Frenchman was incredulous. <laughs> he could not believe his senses. They were sense unsensed. Yes, he was sight unseen and sense unsensed, and he is pissed off. <laughs> As, see, why did he sa- sight, unseen? sight unseen? Why did he go do a sight that unseen? That is the theme of this whole thing. Yeah. Don't do shit sight unseen. See the sights and hear the sounds and smell the smells. Yeah. 
do the things before you make up your mind, before you have stupid ideas. Just yep, like that's real, right? Always now. go out before you do anything. Lick the light switch. <laughs> Put your tongue on the battery. <laughs> there is. We all survived. There we are did that there are at least the two arcade. people. There are at least two people who listen to this podcast who have seen the television series Wonderfalls who yes. thought that joke was fucking hilarious. I mean, I thought it was funny because when I was a kid, um, if you put your tongue like on the arcade game at the right like place, it gave you a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we were cool kids. Um, we turned out okay. We turned out. <laughs> As the facts, however, gradually broke upon him, he shut one eye, squinted obliquely at the heavens, the river, the farmer, and then he turned away and squinted at them all over again. There was his purchase, sure enough, but then it could not be perceived, for there was a river flowing over it. He drew a box from his waistcoat pocket, opened it with an emphatic knock upon the lid, took a pinch of snuff, and restored it to his waistcoat pocket as before. Drugs always help. <laughs> Poo-poo was evidently in trouble, having thoughts which often lie too deep for tears. Aww. And as his grief was also too big for words, he untied his horse, jumped into his gig, and returned to the auctioneer in hot haste. I hope he kicks that guy in the duck. I hope he lets the horse kick that guy in the dick. Yeah, day. yeah. Because then no crime has been committed. That is true. Because it's just like, whoops-a-daisy. Is that how you commit the perfect murder? Have a horse kick someone? Just have a horse kick someone in the dick until they die? <laughs> and then no crime has been committed. I mean, I guess you'd have... I mean, I guess it would have to be proved that you did not train the horse to kick someone in the dick until they die. The burden of proof would be on the prosecution. You wouldn't have to prove anything. So, well, the prosecution so they would, would go, have to yes. prove that you actively trained the horse to kick someone in to the kick nuts. someone in the nuts. So just don't video self your tape training your horse to kick people in the nuts. That might be the perfect murder. I guess we can tell Zach Morris and he can travel in time and check it out. <laughs> and then he can go back and write this story. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Hercule Poirot and the case of the dick kicking. Hercule Poirot and Monsieur Poupou, the best team ever to be made. <laughs> it was near night when he arrived at the auction room, his horse in a foam and himself in a fury. The auctioneer was leaning back in his chair with his legs stuck out of a low window, quietly smoking a cigar after the labors of the day and humming the music from the last new opera. Monsieur, I have much pleasure to find you chez vous at home. Ah, poo-poo, glad to see you. Take a seat, old boy. But I shall not take deceit, sir. He's like, no, thank you, motherfucker. No, why? What's the matter? Ah, beaucoup de matter. I have been to see the grand lot what you sell me today. Well, sir, I hope you like your purchase. No, monsieur, I no like him. <laughs> I am sorry for it, but there is no ground for your complaint. No, sir, there is no ground at all. 
The ground is all water. <laughs> you joke. I no joke. I never joke. Je ne tombe pas le relerie, sir. Voulez-vous have the kindness to give me back the money what I pay? Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Except, voulez-vous coucher? I kick you in the dick. Ce soir? Pourquoi? Certainly not. Then, will you be so good as to take the East River off the top of my lot? That's your business, sir, not mine. <laughs> then I make von mauvais affaire, von grand mistake. I hope not. I don't think you have thrown your money away in the land. No, sir, but I throw it away in the water. That's not my fault. Yes, sir, but it is your fault. Your one were grand rascal to swindle me out of de l'argent. Hello, old poo-poo. You grow personal. And if you can't keep a civil tongue in your head, you must go out of my counting room. Oh my god, you're gonna get punched. Where shall I go to, eh? To the devil, for aught I care. You foolish old Frenchman, said the auctioneer, waxing warm. What a dick! The French totally saved our asses! Not that long ago when this was written, yeah. actually. But, sir, I will not go to the devil to oblige you, replied the Frenchman, waxing warmer. <laughs> you cheat me out of all the dollar what I make in Chatham Street. But I will not go to the devil for all that. I wish you may go to the devil yourself, you damn Yankee doodle. And I will go and drown myself to the sweet right away. You couldn't make better use of your water privileges, old boy. Ah, <gasps> oh, misericorde. Oh, mon dieu, je suis abîmé. I am ruined. I am done up. I am break all into ten thousand little pieces. I am one lame duck. I shall waddle across the grand ocean for Paris, which is the only valuable water privilege that is left me at present. Poor Poo Poo was as good as his word. He sailed in the next packet and arrived in Paris almost as penniless as the day he left. Should anyone feel disposed to doubt the veritable circumstances here recorded, let him cross the East River to the wallabout, and Farmer Jay will row him out to the very place where the poor Frenchman's lots still remain underwater. The end. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the birth of why the French hate Americans. This is it. Monsieur Poopoo went back to France and was like, okay, fuck those guys. So here's the thing about America. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. We hate them forever now. Like, that's the beginning. That's it right there. That's it. Because we were friends. Like, they fucking, like, saved our asses in, like, the Revolutionary War. And then they, like, somewhere in time, they were like, Americans suck. Americans suck. This was it right here. <laughs> this was it. Monsieur Poopoo. We have found the origin story. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if the French hate us at all, it's just because our food is terrible and we stole all of our best stuff from Europe. 
We borrowed. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, a lot of the people that, like, started this country as we know it now, like the colonizers, were from Europe. Yeah. So they just brought over their traditions. Yeah. So I saw a thing recently that was talking about um, it. It was basically like um, there should be a new rule that if you're racist, you're not allowed to eat um, food from. Uh, basically, you're you're not allowed to eat anything other than white people food. Yeah, and then it started listing things. That like, okay, that eat. means that means you can eat this and this and this and this. And then someone was like, oh, but no, 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 no. That we think of it as white people food, but actually that came over from Africa. Yep. Oh, okay, well, we can't do that, but then we'll still do this and this and this and this. Oh, but actually you can't do that because this okay, China. fine, like, fine. True. Then we'll just eat like we'll just eat um tomatoes and potatoes, because that's all that they had. It's like actually, no, you can't do that because those are both New World foods, which were, we're not white people until they were indigenous so, Americans, yeah. Um so what what are what are you left with? Haggis. <laughs> Haggis. No. And somebody somebody said so uh, is, what the the eventual response to this post was we're getting closer and closer to it sounding like you're saying, if you're racist, you're not allowed to eat. That's the, fine with me. And that was the response. <laughs> that <laughs> That's sounds great. Yeah. That sounds fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I liked that little story. It was well written. I, I feel for Mr. Poo I'm so sad for Mr. Poo Sweet little um, Frenchman. But you know what? He went back to France and... Uh, um, um, spread the word about yeah. the evil, evil Americans. Which so. is why the French do not get roped into timeshares. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. And that's the moral of the story. Don't invest in a timeshare. I did giggle every time you said Monsieur Poupou. I know. I, I was not watching. necessarily out loud, but I had to, you know, definitely tense, tense mm-hmm. a part of my body. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I hope you like that one, listener. I, I enjoyed it. Am sleepy. Yeah. Please feel free to write in. Let us know what you thought about that one. Uh, we've got our email address, 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. And we've got uh, the uh, social medias that you can use. Just look for Campfire Classics Podcast. When you write in, go ahead and use this week's secret passcode so that we know you listened to this far. This week's secret passcode is senselessness uncensored. Senselessness uncensored. Wow. That's that's great. Yeah. I love it. I did love our theme of the week. Yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, and I think that's everything from me. Do you have anything before we sign off? No, that's that's it from me. I thought that uh, that seems like a appropriate little story after uh, spending a week a weekend working in or a week working in historic Philadelphia. Right. Yay, George Pope Morris and Zach Morris and all the Morrises in between. And the Pope. And the Pope. Some of them. <laughs> So until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Miss your poo poo, miss your poo poo, miss your poo 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 poo. We salute you!